0: Faith and Hope, you guys enjoying this series? Or are you getting a lot out of it? Is it helpful for you? I'm hearing a lot of really good testimonies online. Uh, let's just, y'all show some love to the people that are watching online, welcome them. People from, people from all over. I don't know if I said this, but the last Zoom meeting, I, I actually didn't get to jump into the Zoom this week, but last week there was uh, Thailand. Um, how many different states were represented? Like five different states, I think. It's just really cool to just watch how God is connecting people and using this ministry. You know, what you're doing here is supporting a work that is reaching and ministering to people all around that don't have a, a church that they feel like they can connect to. So I'm grateful. I appreciate the technology, and we will leverage it and invest in it and use it to reach people and locally as well. Amen. All right, so here we go. The series, Faith and Hope. You know, faith... I I want to say these things every time just to kind of reset where we are. But faith is not what you do to get God to respond to you. You know, depending on your Christian upbringing, depending on what kind of circles you've been part of, faith is not your spiritual performance to impress God. Faith is not some act that you do to move God. Faith is a response to who God is. Do you see the difference? And I like once you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, of course, that's what I believe about faith. <laughs> but, but in practice, uh, most people's working definition is a subconscious understanding. And so, and so we think, especially if you've, if you've been part of a supernatural focused or a culture that believes in miracles, for you, faith is I've got to get more of it to be able to do these things or to be able to get God to move. And faith is simply Jesus presenting himself to you and you being convinced of who he is to whatever degree your heart's able to receive who he is. That's what faith is, right? And so in Hebrews 11, 1, we've been talking about the idea of faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the framework that we open up our hearts you know, to to God to have our expectation built into it. So, faith is like you're opening up yourself to Him to have His will, His desires, His purposes, and His intents built into the framework of faith that you're opening up. So, faith is that relational aspect of you looking to Him and, and submitting and being willing, being fully yielded to Him to desire only that which He desires for you. And, you know, in church, we get to preach the ideals. You know what I'm saying? It's like it would be perfect if it were always this way. And so, you know, I, I want to preach ideals and impossibilities from a spiritual perspective in that what God can do in your life, not what you're supposed to do for him. Because, you know, that, that's, a, that's a, the, the kind of dichotomy that you see in Christianity is there are things that God wants from you and there's that which he wants for you. And oftentimes you see a lot of denominations are over in the camp of we're going to live focused on what God wants from us, obedience, holiness, sacrifice, this and that, and all all of that stuff that we're to, to do, right? And then there's a camp that kind of focuses on what God wants for you, and it's all about the blessing and all about the promises and all about how, God good, how good God is, and everything that he wants for you. And it's like, those are both a reality, and, and we get to live in the midst of both. Absolutely, we should be pursuing the fulfillment of God, what, what God wants from you. Like, d- obedience should be satisfying to us. Jesus said that, you know. He said, he said uh, uh, you know, to do the will of my Father. Sam, help me out. My brain blank. What is it? My food is to do the will of my father. there we go. thank you and that that's you know i don't know if you've ever how many of you have ever experienced that you you like you humble yourself, you submit to that grace, maybe you step out into something that you're struggling with, but it's the right thing to do, and you just simply obey him but it's but then after it's like. Maybe you successfully resist temptation and then there's a peace and a joy or you, you handle a situation in a more godly way and afterward it's, it's hard for your flesh to push through, but then afterward it's like very satisfying, you know? And, 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 I, and I'll say this and I think you can understand me, it's okay to be proud of yourself when you've obeyed God. Not proud of yourself from the perspective of now you're qualified because you've obeyed. You, you know what I'm saying? But you're proud, you're like, wow. It's almost like you're proud of somebody in general that let God move through them. And it's rewarding. It's satisfying. But obedience is always done from from acceptance, you know? Like the obedience that we live out toward God is from the perspective that we're already accepted in him fully, 100%, because of what Christ did. So in this whole series, we're talking about living in faith and hope. Faith is to be convinced of who God is. It's trust. Hope is the expectation of good things. And so to be people of faith, people that walk by faith and not by sight, people that actually expect to experience the impossible, people that take Jesus at his word when he says all things are possible for those who believe. When Jesus says, when Peter, you know, we talked about this last week, that Jesus came walking on the water and Peter says, Lord, call me out. And Jesus didn't say, nope, 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 nope. That's only for the Son of God to do. No, what did he say? He said, come on. Peter got out and walked on the water. And then when Peter began to sink, Jesus held him accountable for sinking. That's pretty harsh, right? (laughs) But not not from a mean perspective, but from a, Jesus, don't you know who I am? Like, you think I can do that? Are you with me? Yes, sir. Yes. Why in the world, Jesus, would you have an expectation that I could do that? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know my failures? Don't you know where I've fallen? You expect that I can do that? And not, not from a disapproving or disappointed perspective when you don't, but it's like a coach. How many of you have ever been on a team where you had a really dominant, aggressive, just old school coach. Wait, wave at me if you, yeah. I grew up I, wrestling. I had a coach, man, and I remember this one time. He got on, because I was loafing and not putting 100%, and he, he, man, he got so mad at me. He, hey, this was back when um, coaches might even get physical with you and cuss you out or something, you know, but we loved it. I don't know, that was just my upbringing. <laughs> As you know, I don't know, but anyway, he goes, You don't know how good you are! And I, it, after a match one time, and I was like, It hit me, it struck deep down in there. And I remembered that from nearly every time after that, that I would step on the mat, I would think, This is what he thinks of me, whether I was or not. I'm, I'm gonna need another battery, if you would. Like whether, it was a positive one instead of a negative it, Yeah, but he was frustrated because. Wasn't wrestling up to my potential, oftentimes. Now, there were reasons for that. You know, it was family stuff and all all the things going on. I think that's God. God looks at us and he's like, you you, don't know. Throw me my water, there,
1: babe.
0: So I think that's I think that's where we are in God's kingdom, because God is so aware of the work that He's done on the inside of us, and the fact that He's given us His power, the fact that He's made us new creations. He expects us to look like Him, and unfortunately, a lot of a lot of uh, Christian Mindset has been focused on the behavioral aspect of it. Of course, God expects righteousness and holiness out of you and and then there's this been this weird mind trick told to you, but you can never live up to it, but he expects it from you. You don't sin, but you gotta sin nature so you should just feel guilty and it's not stated that directly, but that's kind of the the underlying tone of or message that's been within Christianity. And I think from God's perspective, he's like, don't you know that you are the temple of the living God? Don't you know that God lives in you? I mean, think about that for just a minute. Paul says, don't you know? Why are you living below the means of which God has provided for you? Why are you letting that emotional state stay in your body? Why are you still thinking in terms of your failures? Don't you know? You're better than you realize. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. I've done a work in you. I have made you holy. I have made you holy like me because I am. Am in you. Amen. That's challenging. That's challenging. So when it comes to, I'm going to live a life of faith where I'm going to expect to do the impossible, it's not from a perspective of where you got to go get more of this faith or where you got to work something up or where it's anything about you we need to be fully convinced of the work that God has done in us in Christ. That's, that's what the, the pursuit of Christianity is. I mean, we're, we're safe in Him, but everything that, you, that God wants from you and that He wants for you is in the power of Christ in you. So the repentant lifestyle is to constantly set aside those things that keep us locked in anything that limits us from expecting to look like Jesus. Now, that's the ideal. And let me just tell you, that is impossible. It's impossible for you, but with Christ, all things are possible. Are you with me? Peter walked on water. Jesus called people back from the dead. And then he says, "Okay, now you're going to do these things." And then the criticism is, "Oh, really? Well, then why isn't everybody healed?" And then, and so then, what we do is we react and try to respond on that same level of thinking, and try to make up all these excuses. And then it all centers around our performance. But if we have, if we walk by faith, in other words, the expectation—see, faith, trust, dependence on God—is the. Uh, Substance of things hoped for hope is the expectation of good things. It's the evidence of things not seen. I want to live a life where I'm constantly stretched to believe and expect for the impossible and not be disappointed when it doesn't yet manifest. So then Jesus, when he teaches on faith, and this is something I didn't really anticipate this in this series, but but it's where it's taking me as i'm as I'm studying out this series, I'm going through when Jesus talks about faith, and it's leading me to how he talks about the kingdom. Catch this. This is kind of the point of today's message. When Jesus talks about faith, and then he talks about the kingdom, it's, it's very similar. I'm not saying your faith is kingdom. I'm just saying what he's trying to do is get us to think differently and expect differently. And thinking differently means you have to think about his kingdom the way that he says his kingdom works. And he's constantly saying, faith is as a mustard seed. Then he talks about the kingdom. The kingdom is as a mustard seed. Faith and the kingdom, it's like putting yeast in a lump of dough as it works its way through, then it works its way through the whole thing, right? Uh, That's the picture. The picture is the kingdom has been planted on the inside of you. Faith is the work of persuading your heart that you do to host the growth of the kingdom on the inside of you. I I think, unfortunately, Christianity, the, the, the church at large, has put God out there, put you here in darkness, and you need to try to go toward God... And the better you behave, the closer you are to him and the more holy you get as you approach him. But if you sin, he might lift his hand of anointing off of you and maybe you fall out of favor in his life and then he's going to allow something to happen to you and he's going to test you. And it's this external cause and effect type of thing. And that's just not how Jesus presents our place in God. He presents it as if we are complete in him. His kingdom doesn't come with outward observation. His kingdom is in you. And here's how the kingdom works. It's like a seed planted in the ground. It grows and it becomes fruitful. For you to lay hands on the sick and somebody get healed, or for you to pray with your spirit in tongues, or for you to exercise joy in depression, or patience in frustration, those are all aspects of the kingdom growing and affecting you. The spirit of the living God moving on the inside of you. So when we don't experience the impossible, it's not because God is removed from you determining the condition of your life. Y'all know that, right? The world is not in the state that God wants it in. (laughs) When you see God's unhindered, unaffected will untouched by our grubby little hands, what does it look like? It's a perfect planet, in a perfect universe, in a perfect garden, with perfect people who just tend the garden and pursue him, have a relationship with him. That's God's idea. But in order to have true, genuine relationship and obedience, he then gave us ownership over the planet temporarily. Then you have death, destruction, death, destruction, death, destruction. Jesus comes in deliverance. Let me remind you, this is, what, this is what I want. I'm going to come down there and show you what it looks like. Perfection, healing, forgiveness, love one another, death, destruction, death, destruction, death, destruction, and then the end, what? Heaven. It's just that in the midst of it, I think we can expect to experience the effects of the kingdom in this earth and 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 it's challenging. <clears throat> so then he teaches on faith and it and he teaches on kingdom. And I have two selections of scripture that I want to read. and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you you um, you might be offended. <laughs> and it, it might twist or turn you know on its head some things that you've been taught. But I just want to say so that so this this idea that that I want to present to you, is I think how Jesus teaches on how faith works and what the kingdom is doing on the inside of you. Because don't we all wonder, it's like, God, what are you doing? What is happening? What am I supposed to do? It's like, okay, just stop. Recognize that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're hidden with Christ in God. That's who I am. That's where I am. Forever. Spiritually. And eventually, holy. Right? Uh, <clears throat> um and so what's happening now is that eternal reality is growing on the inside of you to affect every other aspect of you. We are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Your spirit is just like Christ, I'm not saying your spirit is God, but you've been made new like Him to dwell with Him in that eternal place. And so now, I, I want this to affect how you pray, how you understand God how you pray for others, you pray from the perspective that everything that you feel like you need to pray for has already been given in the seed of Christ on the inside of you, and you're cultivating and nurturing that seed as it grows, and that's why Paul prays. It's interesting, when you look at the prayers of Paul, he talks about... uh, When he's praying, it's always from the perspective as if what he wants, what he's praying for and what he's asking for is already a reality. It's that help us see it. God, help us understand. Help us see. Turn the eyes of our heart. I pray that you would know. I write these things so that you would know. All over and over and over and over and over, you know. He's constantly affirming who we are in Christ, whether he says that directly or not, but go, when you read scripture, when you read the Bible, pay attention to how Paul prays. He's always affirming a reality, not not trying to attain something, right? So, but that's the law of the seed. The kingdom is in you. And what does faith do? Faith is the, Persuade your heart, pulls your thoughts into alignment, deals with sin patterns as to not hinder the growth of the kingdom on the inside of you because it's trying to grow. The seed is planted, and it will produce that which it was designed to produce, righteousness, gentleness, meekness, goodness, self-control, and all the gifts as well. Are you with me? Is that, is that clear? I'm trying to make that as clear as possible. The kingdom is in you to grow and change you and then flow out of you in power to be a, a testimony to the power and strength and goodness of his kingdom. Amen. And it's in you. Quit praying and asking for God, asking things from, for, from God from a place of lack, from a place of incompleteness, which means you got to deal with your self-talk, you got to deal with your understanding, you got to deal with how you see God, the nature and the character of what God wants for you. And then we go to these passages and we recognize what Jesus is trying to teach us. So this is in Matthew 17, 14 through 20. So just just for reference sake, Jesus uses the example, um, faith is as a mustard seed. Whoever believes and doubts not in his heart. Believe, so these these are the two things. Have faith as a mustard seed. And that's not talking about how much faith you have. It's talking about how do you understand how faith works. Have faith and doubt not in your heart. And he says that same example several times after cursing the fig tree, uh, after healing on the Sabbath, and they come to him asking for wisdom. The disciples come to him asking to increase their faith. Many, many times Jesus responds with, have faith that works like a seed. And then and then the more you study it out, the, the more you recognize he's talking about faith engaging the experience of his kingdom in this earth. I, and I didn't really expect to go there, but that's, that's what I'm seeing. You know, call it revelation, whatever. I've, I've known that, but it's like, that's what he's intertwining. So let's see where that goes today. Let me just read these passages. So we're going to look at Matthew 17. 14 through 21. Now, <clears throat> this is, he's given his disciples power. The disciples are in a situation where a man brings his uh, child to the disciples, and the disciples try to cast out a devil, and they can't do it. And this is Jesus' response. Are you ready? You're not going to like this. Um, so, and when they had... And when they had come, uh, excuse me, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down and saying, follow me along if you would, please. 15, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O you faithless and perverse generation, Now, if you have a view of God as he's waiting to judge you and he's disappointed in you, that's the tone that you're hearing. But if you have the view of God of a loving, accepting father who expects more out of you than you realize that you have the potential to live up to, it it changes the tone of how you read this, right? Jesus constantly made sure that he presented God as Father. Amen? That, I mean, if that's new to you, that will change how you read all of Scripture. Now, I'm not, we're not erasing the Old Testament and the Old Covenant and all the things that God had to do, the judgment and all that stuff back then, but it's understood now that Christ has been judged in our place. There's a final judgment for works for reward, but you will, your works will never be judged for righteousness. Just to put that in there. So it's, this is like, Jesus is like, I've already seen y'all do this. I gave you the power. You've seen me For two years you've been walking with me. You saw me do it. Remember this? Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? Remember the 5,000? Remember the bread? Walked on water. Peter, Peter, you walked on water. You guys remember when Peter walked on water? What's wrong with you, faithless perverts? <laughs> That's how Jesus in my head speaks. But, but, but it's from the heart of you just, you just don't know what's in you. I'm telling you, you just don't know what's in you. But it's in there. It's in there. O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out. The child was cured from that very hour. Now here's the part that's offensive. Then the then the disciple yeah go ahead. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why now? I guarantee you, you've all asked this question. Why couldn't I? You know, we've all prayed for people that have not recovered and even died in some times. We've prayed for marriages that fail and break apart, right? We've prayed for people that we love and care about that just stay stuck in their pattern of sin, you know? People, people that are dealing with uh, family members that it's just, unfortunately, the brokenness of the world produces things that, you know, illnesses and, and all kinds of things that happen, and, and, but we know the power of God and we pray. Right? You've all known somebody that you loved and cared about that's suffering from one way or the other and prayed for them and nothing happened. A lot of times we prayed and something did happen. But this is the same question. The disciples are struggling with it. They walked with Jesus. They they had been doing this very thing already. It was like one step forward and two steps back for them. And they probably were frustrated themselves, you know. They they'd been out. I mean, think, I mean, I really want you to get this picture. Jesus showed them how to do it, gave them the power. They went and did it, found a situation where they couldn't, and then they asked him, why couldn't we do it? And he's like, where's your faith? Where's your faith? He didn't say, well... Now, how this ends has been misinterpreted, but we'll straighten it out. So Then the the disciples came to Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. How come when I prayed for them, they didn't get healed because of their unbelief or because of your unbelief? You, God, you're my provider. I'm always broke. Why can't I be led in wisdom by you to be in a situation where I'm experiencing abundant blessing? am not saying God just magically sends a mailbox check. I'm talking about where you follow Him in such a way where you experience the type of provision and blessing that He would lead you into. Why? Because of your unbelief. Why am I still struggling with this sin, God? Why, do I, why am I always in this situation, God? Now, if you have a view of God that He's playing science experiment so that you'll learn lessons from circumstances which is never presented by Jesus then you are trying to read the circumstances of life to determine the will of God, which is the least effective way to determine the will of God. If you look at what's happened in your life to then reverse engineer God's will, you will always end up focused on yourself and what you didn't do right. Are you with me? Quit looking at your circumstances, good ones or bad ones, to try to determine what God's doing or not doing in your life. What he's trying to do is that which reflects what he's done in you through Christ. So it's never, even even when there was a blind man and and Jesus healed him, or about to heal him, and and they they said, Jesus, why is this man blind? Did he sin? His parents sin? What happened? He goes, neither, none none of that, period. But so that God would be glorified, I'm going to heal him. It's not about his sin. It's not about their sin. It's not about this. But it is a belief issue. It is a, it is a faith issue, not faith from the perspective of you got to get more and press something out of God's hands. It's how convinced am I of who God is? Am I as convinced of myself in Christ as God is convinced of Christ in me in this particular situation? When I step out on that mat of life, do I have God in my ear and in my head and in my heart, encouraging me. Listen, I know you got this. Don't you know I'm in you? So he says, Because your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith, again, as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, and he says this in many different situations, you'll say to this mountain, now that's a metaphor, you'll say to this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea. He says that in in walking on water, casting out devils, all the stuff that he expects us to be able to do, doubt not in your heart, but believe it as a seed. So you'll say to this mountain, move from here, there, and we'll, and, and again, because I feel, I can feel the tension. I'm just telling you, I am presenting the impossibility, but that is the very thing that Jesus said. All things are possible for those who believe. Uh, you'll, so because of your unbelief, Um, For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved, and nothing, say nothing, Nothing. will be impossible for you. However, this kind, let me ask you, this kind of what? This kind of unbelief. Now, in some circles, you've been taught, This kind of demon only comes out but by prayer and fasting. And if you diagram the sentence and you follow along and you keep it in context of what he's actually saying, he's not saying this class or this kind of demon. He's addressing the unbelief. He's still talking about the subject of unbelief. Unbelief comes out by prayer and fasting. You never see Jesus go, wait a minute, Let me go fast and pray because you're too big of a devil. Like that gets implied. That's a Gnostic belief, actually. Gnosticism crept into the early church. Gnosticism was based on special knowledge, special information. We still see it in the church today with special anointings. This person didn't fulfill their call, so when they died, somehow their mantle fell off onto the ground, and you're going to go pick up their mantle, and you're going to fulfill John Wesley's mantle or you're going to do this mantle, or you've got this mantle. That's a bunch of stupidities what that is. It really is, and I'm harsh on that because it is not kingdom. It is not true. It's just not true. Oh, brother, this guy's got a special anointing for this gift. It's like there's one anointing, and that's Christ in you. Now, I realize there's cultural language within the church in certain circles, and I understand those kinds of things get said and used, and, you know, maybe they're just not thinking through what they're actually saying. But there's one anointing, and that's Christ in you, which follows to a very specific outcome, an important outcome, which to you should, re- should conclude, <laughs> I am complete in Christ. I lack nothing. The fullness of Christ is in me. There's nothing that you need from God that you don't already have because Christ is in you. But it's that stretching, it's that challenging to live within the completeness that Christ has already given you, right? So, this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. And then this last passage here. And this kind is where it starts to bring in... I don't know why that does that, but... So, follow me through this. This is Matthew 17, and we're going to read 14 through 21. And you can come on up here on this one if you would. And when they had... Come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. Wait, that's the wrong one. Go to Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark. And he said, now, catch this. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed. Now, the kingdom... Remember, he'd been talking about faith. Faith is like a seed. Faith is like a seed. And now he starts to talk about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Next verse, please. And should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself, now, again, we're talking about the kingdom. And what is the kingdom? The kingdom is you walking in everything that God wants from you, and you experiencing everything that he wants for you. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? You displaying in obedience all of the fruits of the Spirit and walking in the gifts of the Spirit to live a life that's pleasing to God and walk in power that glorifies God. That's what we're constantly endeavoring to do. And it's not that you, get, you have to get everything in place of what God wants from you before you can walk in the things that He wants for you. For you, meaning blessing, abundance, but then also the power of your calling to represent His kingdom. But how does all that work? How do I get to where all that's working? Well, you don't need more anointing. You don't need more knowledge. You don't need more obedience. You need more persuasion of heart of who He is in you. That's true repentance. Laying down the limitations and being willing to adopt a mindset of I can do the impossible because Christ is in me. That's where you get this paradox of Paul, Galatians 2.20, you know, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm crucified with Christ. But nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't frustrate the grace of God. I don't try to get back in my own strength. I live by his strength. And now, if this is a doctrinal issue for you, we just won't be on the same page. So if it's an interpretation issue for you, it's like, well, I just don't, I just don't think it's that. Like, then 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 fine. You know, that's a scriptural understanding thing. But if you hear me, if you're if you're with me, willing to accept the responsibility to live within and display the impossible, this is challenging, but should be encouraging too, right? Amen. This is where we go all in on Jesus. We take Him at His word. We don't water down what we believe and what we expect. All to His glory. You know, it's it's funny because humility is not when you take on the identity of a sinner. Humility is when you take on the identity of a righteous, powerful child of God. And then you're challenged and stretched into a life that you can never live on your own. Amen? And to finish this, now he's talking about the kingdom. Think about this. When he talks about the kingdom as a seed on the inside of you, the kingdom is in you growing to affect your behavior and affect your ministry. And... Should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself doesn't know how. I love that part. Okay, God, I want to understand how's it now. How's it going to work? Well, he doesn't know how. He doesn't. You don't get to know how necessarily. For the earth yields, the earth in this parable is the heart, the soil. Crop by itself first the blade, then the then the head. After that, the full grain and the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Then he said, to to what shall we liken the kingdom of God or what parable shall we picture it? I love picture it, word pictures. It's like a mustard seed. The kingdom is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown, say when it is sown. sown. One more time. When When it is sown. That's the key. When it is sown. I think he's talking about this mixture of kingdom and faith. You know, there, there's this realm of unlimited potential and strength on the inside of us. It's like a quantum type of understanding. It's like the, it's, it's, it's there to be observed and collapsed into whatever reality you choose. Not that that's how it works, but in kingdom, right, we get that parallel, that there's a realm of availability, a realm of resources, a realm of strength over sin a realm of joy and depression, a realm of patience and frustration, a realm of wisdom in stupidity, (laughs) a realm of healing power in sickness, that faith tills up the garden to experience that realm and affect this world. And then you look at Jesus and over and over and over, he does it, then he says, you can do it, then he holds them accountable for, not, for when they can't do it. Are you with me? It's like you have to constantly kind of go back and say, okay, yeah, but I don't know if I believe that. Okay, what did Jesus say? When Jesus talked about it, how did he talk about it? That's what I go back to, right? That's what I go back to. Because it's easy to then veer off and rationalize, but then when you see Jesus going, nope, I did it. You can do it. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing it? And I'm not going to self-analyze and disqualify. I'm just going to continue to persuade my heart to expect, to experience the kingdom. I'm not going to make a bunch of judgments of why, if, where, when. I don't. I don't. I'm just, I don't want to do. I'm, that's repent. I'm setting that aside. I'm setting that aside. Jesus kingdom. If Jesus were standing here in this moment, what would the outcome be? When it is sown, you got to sow it. That's your part. You got to sow it. So what? Sow seed, yeah. Sow expectation. Sow hope. Sow love. Sow obedience. You know, it's just broader than just I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to think about the Bible. I mean, it, it's written there for us, but we should sow it to become alive so that it's living for you. And I, and I ask you to ask the Holy Spirit in this moment, what do I need to sow, Lord? What aspect of faith? What aspect of the kingdom? What aspect of obedience? What aspect? And you might need to fast and pray to get the unbelief out of your heart. Not to earn but to stop constricting the seed from growing. Fast and pray. Fast to get unbelief out of your heart so that you stop hindering the kingdom. It's not the performance of fasting. It's the effect on your heart that fasting has because the kingdom is in there trying to grow when it is sown. It's smaller than all the seeds of the earth. Thirty-two but when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs. And he's talking about the kingdom and the shoots out large branches. He's talking about that which is unseen being designed to come into the earth so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. But when they were alone, he explained all things to His disciples. You're His disciple. Go get along with Him. If you need to fast, if you need to pray, not to try to make something happen, but to let the kingdom be effective in your heart. Amen? I just, I just wanted to worship a little bit on our way out of here. If you would just stand up with me. Let's just keep our heart on him, to glorify him, to honor him, to recognize who he is. Because one of the laws, one of the spiritual laws is that we become like him as we behold him. And that's what worship is. It's beholding him. Amen. So let's just worship. If you need to go, we understand. Be blessed as you go. But just hang with us a little bit. Let's worship a little bit more.
1: The great I am. Oh, you're the great I am. So let every day.
0: In word pictures you can do it for yourself just get a picture of the unlimited resource of heaven the kingdom of God on the inside of you the fulfillment of the new covenant he put his spirit on the inside of you and he's given you a new heart so that you can hear him clearly and be strengthened and empowered by him and just make the decision I will live by the power of your spirit in me I will live by the wisdom of your spirit in me I will not lean to my own understanding. I will consult your word in everything so that I renew my mind to think fully and wholly as you do and make decisions that are in accordance with what you've done on the inside of me. And just tell him, I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, do a work in me. Help my eye, the eyes of my heart see you fully. Help me see myself the way you do. Help me have confidence in the power that you've put on the inside of me to fulfill those things that you want from me and those things that you want for me. I don't want to limit you in any way. You know, maybe you're in the room, you're watching online, and you've never said yes to Jesus, and you want to for the first time today. If you're in the room today and you want to say yes to him, just lift up your hand, wave at me. If there's anybody online, you're watching this or listening to this, go to forward.church, right on the homepage. We'll introduce you to Jesus and help you follow him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We trust you and we love you. Now, I just want you to walk out of here stretched, resting in him, but stretched to walk by faith and not by sight, knowing that God expects out of you what he's done in the inside of you, and you're committed to live that way but it's easy and light with Jesus because it's by His Spirit. It's not by your might, it's by His Spirit. Father, teach us how to live in the rest and power of your Spirit. Thank you. Lord. We have some prayer team if you guys want to come up. If anybody needs prayer for anything at all, just make your way up. We'd love to agree with you. Father, I speak blessing over our bodies. I speak blessing over our lives, over our ministries. Over those people, Uh, thank you that you're giving us boldness and clarity of of who to speak to, who to carry the gospel to, how to live lives that are honoring and glorifying of you in our jobs and our relationships so that people would see you and we would live up to the potential that you expect in every area. We love you and we trust you. Amen, amen, amen.